Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Take This Job and Love It, the professionalization podcast helping you navigate your way through the perils of the job and career search. My name is Brian Frenette, and I serve as Senior Associate Director in the Office of Career Strategy at Yale University. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Julia Burke. Julia. Hi, everyone. I'm Julia. I'm also Senior Associate Director in the Office of Career Strategy. And today we are coming to talk to you about the unique concept of virtual networking. So we are now many months into the COVID-19 pandemic, and we are all doing our best to acclimate and adapt. And Absolutely. as we, <laughs> slowly and surely, yep. as we continue that adaptation and we try to uh, bring about semblances of normal life, uh, some of that may involve uh, finding a job or inquiring about certain career paths or your own general professionalization pursuits. And so we wanted to talk to you about the ideas of leveraging networking during this very um, chaotic time and um, the realities of, of how to go about this process and go about it with the confidence um, and knowing that you're you're doing it correctly, given all these additional hurdles that come our way, because as we've talked about in prior episodes, most people aren't terribly big fans of networking on a normal day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let then, alone... yeah, even in normal times, it's one of the most ambiguous things that uh, questions that we we get. People don't know how to do it, and in, that's in the best of times. So we need to talk about this for the the uh, COVID nineteen era. Exactly. So given given our, our current um, our current challenges, our current hurdles, how do we how do we overcome that? So um, why don't we start with some of the, the similarities? Um, I think I think those will be a little bit more on the nose, a little bit more clear. Uh, and then we'll talk about some of the differences uh, that allow for people to best strategize and navigate their way through this process. Um, so, Julia, in your opinion, you know, what do you feel are the common threads that remain given the situation people find themselves in right now when it comes to networking? Sure. So let me start with two commonalities. So one of the first that I think of is that you are starting with a similar outreach correspondent. You want to generally maybe send an email, hope someone is well, um, let them know that you understand the challenges of the current pandemic, perhaps. Um, let them know who you are and find some type of commonality commonality between your interests and what they do. So that's the first principle that I see as, as similar. It's this outreach of uh, who are you, what do they do, and why are you interested? Um, you also want to think about uh, the fact that you are secondary in this interaction. It really is still all about them. You want to get to know who they are. You want to get to know their role, their perhaps their career path, um, their organization. Maybe at this time you could ask how their organization has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. That might be, a, you know, that's a slight difference from the past. But you are doing this outreach in a similar way. So, those are kind of the commonalities that I see to start. Anything to add there, Brian? No, I think I think we're still looking at it as an, in, an investigative process, uh, a communicative one where we are simply trying to, through conversation, learn about a given career path um, or an industry or an employer or a particular position. Absolutely. Um, and you're still going into this with preparation. You're still getting some questions down that you have to start with. 
And at the same time, you're still allowing it to be a conversation. Mm -hmm. And if they say something that's really interesting or exciting, follow up. So those are very much the similarities we see pre-COVID-19 and during this time now. Absolutely. I think I think those are you know the most important bedrock elements of it, and they do mercifully remain the same. Um, when we look at differentials, you know, the first thing that comes to me is that, and this is something of a benefit, but nonetheless a differential, is that well, for better or worse, what we're going through right now is a universally shared experience. And so whatever the reasons may be that you are reaching out to this person, they are going through the same trials and tribulations as you are as it relates to the pandemic in a general context. Um, their work has likely been upended in some way. Um, there is economic uncertainty in some capacity. Um, there is general apprehension in some way, shape or form. And these, this lived experience, this shared lived experience has its uh, residuals, right? I'm sure we all feel that way by now. And I'm sure we could all go on and on about it. And I think that's an important characteristic to remember is that that shared experience is not an opportunity to bemoan your own situation as inherently dire, right? You Absolutely. don't want to reach out of to course. this person. Absolutely, Ryan. Yeah, you don't want to reach out to this person to say like, you need to help me because I need all the help I can get right now. Whether or not that may be true, we don't know their situation. We don't know what's going on with their health, their family, their, how they're just feeling on day to day. You know, Everyone's anxieties are certainly at a, a heightened level. And I think it's about being empathetic to that and not Absolutely. assuming that you need more than somebody else. And I to follow up on on that Brian in the past we've generally advised, you know, wait at, le at least 2 weeks if you don't get a response to follow up. And I think that that's an especially important right now uh because you're right, we don't know exactly uh what's going on in their lives due to the pandemic. And so it's especially important to allow people grace to respond, allow people the time, um, and not follow up too quickly. I would say that is one thing that I, I would say is a difference here. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think our normal, I mean, I think we often have to remind folks that that normal two week window even exists in the first place. And I think especially now it's probably extended a bit more to echo your point. Yeah. Well, let's also talk about some of those positives. Cause I'm, I think yeah. that it's a really important thing to remember that, because there is so much going on that is virtual right now, not that it wasn't impossible before, but there's such an emphasis on virtual conversations is that you can really have video calls with anyone anywhere um, and really get to know maybe a broader swath of people in a certain field, um, maybe alumni, um, you know, geographic locations. So that is a positive. We're now really prepared to jump on a call, maybe jump on a video call and, and talk. So that is a positive that I see. Absolutely. I think, um, for better or worse, I think schedules have kind of shifted in a variety of ways where people are more willing to talk either both while they're sort of on the clock, so to speak, or there is no clock anymore. And they'll be willing to talk to you sort of when they have the time. Um, you know, our people's social lives have definitely been impacted by this in a way where they may have more available time than they had previously. And their willingness to share with you is your opportunity. Um, at the same time, we want to make sure, as was already sort of touched upon, that we shouldn't make those expectations or make assumptions about that. But I do think overall, 
um, the opportunity to engage is not only a bit more novel than it may otherwise be, but there's some uh, case to be made for greater availability. Um, now, in terms of format, it's also worth noting that you don't necessarily have to go, if you're experiencing your seventh month of Zoom fatigue, you don't necessarily need to engage with these individuals via Zoom, or at least exclusively. I mean, right. an old-fashioned phone call may be a nice novel uh, break from your Zoom life. A welcome relief. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, Zoom certainly allows for a opportunity for maybe some greater engagement given the physiological uh, connection that the, the video, uh, video chat provides. So we should talk a little bit about some basics regarding Zoom etiquette. Uh, just so people sort of understand, um, you know, you and I are a little biased because we sort of live on it all day long. Sure, um, sure. Other individuals may not be as familiar. And so um, what are your major takeaways for people, um, best practices, if you will, for Zoom and Zoom etiquette, life in the virtual space? Yeah, well, well the first one that I see is that if you request the appointment, you invite somebody to a call because you would like to learn more about them. It's up to you to set that call up. It's up to you to maybe send a video link if that is what you would like to do. Um, or if you prefer a phone call, you say, you, I can be reached at this number, um, or you can ask if they prefer to be called at a certain line themselves. So it's up to you to make sure that you pursue what that person prefers and ensure that you follow up on that method. So it's not up to your uh, your contact now to send you a video link or to ask you for your phone number. That's on that's on you. So that's kind of the first best practice that I see. Um, and then secondly, you do want to dress if you are on a video call, you do want to dress professionally, frame yourself well on the camera, have good lighting and an appropriate background. Similar to what we might think of as potentially an interview level, you don't have to necessarily have that level of formality, but you don't want to enter into an informational interview, a networking call in, you know, a sweatshirt with, you know, poor lighting. Um, you, you do want to have an element of professionalism to this call. Yeah. What would you add to that, Brian? Well, I think it's also, I mean, you and I have already sort of name dropped Zoom a couple of times now, but I think it's worth acknowledging that there are other formats for the video chat, you know, Absolutely. whether it be Google yeah. chat or Skype. It's it's important to maybe throw out some options for the people you contact, because while, again, Julie and I, for example, live on Zoom all day long, I hear from students who would prefer to meet by Skype or they, you know, maybe have just resisted Zoom or, you know, initially I know a lot of people had reservations about the security mm -hmm. of Zoom. So people that don't necessarily need to live on it professionally all day long may have apprehensions. And I think it's worth going in at least saying I can reach out to you via a Zoom chat, a phone call or your other, you know, another preferred method and then see if that individual what their preferences may be to then your point, Julia, you know, follow through and set the call up unless they otherwise opt to do so. Um, a little bit of production value, uh, kind of tip regarding uh, whatever your video chat format would be is to try to not be backlit by like a window that has like a lot of sunlight coming through it. Um, try to, um, you know, have a simple plain background, like a, a solid colored wall, or um, even if it's the background of the room you're in, try to not have it be 
you know, too busy or too many moving parts. So if you have a roommate or a spouse or a pet, um, to try to give yourself a little bit of, um, privacy if possible. And we know that, you know, privacy is, is difficult ever more so in these times, but if you have that opportunity to try to, to take it and, and maximize it. So that way, you know, if your cat doesn't need to walk by, mine often does, um, <laughs> all the more power to you. Um, I think it's also an important thing to think about like the structure of your, of, of your dwelling and to determine where you will also have audio quality, right? So, um, you'll want to try to, um, establish something where there's not a lot of background noise or people won't be sort of intruding on you. And it's just for your own benefit as well as the person you're going to be speaking with. Um, Absolutely. Also a good internet connection, right? A good internet connection will also make a big deal of difference in terms of just navigating the video call itself. And if that's a problem, then maybe a traditional phone call would be best. Absolutely. And and another piece to this is if uh, another best practice, I should say, is that if you are uh, connecting with people in different time zones, make sure that you're suggesting a time that would work best for them and accommodate that time frame. Um just because we mentioned earlier that this new um, kind of acceptance of a virtual setting really opens up geography for us and connecting with people who do really exciting work across the globe. So if that is of interest to you, just be aware of the time zones and suggest a few options that would work best for them that wouldn't be too, too early in the morning or too late at night for them. Yeah, I think that's interesting because, and again, traditional contexts addressing time zones or acknowledging time zones to set up a call would be something to recommend. But before all of this, I don't know if I've ever recommended that before. I think from our perspective, working with students, like right now, our student body is dispersed. Many of them are sort of dispersed across the globe, given the pandemic. And so it's just something that we've had to be a little bit more mindful of. But that does lend itself well to traditional networking. If you're going to set it up does, a phone call, yes. you do want to establish what time zone we're all in so that nobody's accidentally asking you to be on the phone at 3 a.m., nor are you asking somebody else to be up at the crack of dawn. Exactly. Yes, this existed before. It just comes a little bit more to light when we're thinking about network networking during COVID-19. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned um, doing your due diligence in advance to be best informed, know as I much did. as you can about the employer um, or the nature of the conversation. Yeah, creating some questions beforehand is a really good idea. Absolutely. And I think I think one interesting nuance to this format in this time is to have a natural, uh, I, think it's, I think it's natural to inquire about how the organization, the industry, or the profession has been impacted by the pandemic. Um there are ways to make inquiries about the sort of economic stability, although they are a little bit more delicate because you obviously don't want to try to make it seem like you're just digging for dirt. But I do think I'm it right. is important to ask how this organization, this industry, this company has adapted to the pandemic yes, because that can give the, you. That's the right word there. Adapted. Yeah, Absolutely. You can get a lot of interesting information about that organization and it may tell you a little bit about their um, ethos when it comes to how they treat their employees or how, how prepared they are for things like this. I mean, certainly it's been enough time by now that most organizations have a plan, but there's obviously a story behind how these individuals sort of were informed of all these changes and how those changes have gone overall. Now, I will say 
a bumpy road need not be seen as any kind of warning sign because this was, I think for most people, quite the bumpy road. But I think it's about the, the ramifications of what to take away from that conversation to see, in spite of the challenges, how did they persevere? Right. Yes, that's a, a great question to ask and informative. Um, and I think one that you can ask across industries, if that's what you're you're doing, if, if what you're doing is exploring, you know, various industries and, and organizations, it's informative. So I think that that's a great question to ask. Um, we do get a lot of other questions, though, about networking virtually. So one of those that I wanted to pose to you, Brian, is questions about, do I have to show my video? What would you say to someone who is doing an informational interview um, asking, do I need to share my video? Um, if the if the student is asking about, should they share yeah, their video? Yeah, if the person is, if the student who is requesting this informational interview, yeah, what I, might you say to them? I think that if um, it's been agreed upon to use the video format, I think it is a quiet expectation that you should share your video. Um, it does allow for, again, the physiological um, nonverbal cues that you get to offer as, as much as you get to receive, right? So if I'm speaking to Julia about her profession and we're on a video chat and she's attentive and looking at the camera, this is important too, because a lot of us have multiple screens. So it's important to look at the camera. Uh, so that doesn't look like you're, I don't know, doing something else, reading something else while you're either listening or having this conversation. Um, and you get to kind of get a sense of, you know, the attention span of the person you're speaking with, how engaged they are. And you get to also showcase your enthusiasm through those nonverbal cues and your general interest in the conversation. Um, there's always exceptions to those rules, but I think generally speaking, you want to go in with under the assumption that if the format allows for it, you may want to play with that format. If the right. video somehow saps your um, Wi-Fi or it just allows for some some lag, I think that's a fantastic uh, justified excuse. Um, but you don't want to like let it slip like, ah, oh, my, my room is a mess. Like it's, it's, it's exactly. unnecessary to offer that up. Even if it is the truth, it's very <laughs> unnecessary to offer that up. You can probably come up with something. That would be too much information. <laughs> yes. You could probably come up with something better than that and not overshare in that, in that very um, unique first impression type moment. Sure. And that makes a great point. You, you mentioned if you're experiencing um, connectivity issues, if you, the person is delayed or if you can tell that they're not quite hearing you, just let the person know, oh, there was a delay. Can you repeat that? Or if it's a continuous thing, just like any other call, um, if you're not doing an informational interview, you might say there's a connectivity issue. You can use a chat feature. Hopefully you may have uh, exchanged phone numbers or you can re you know, revert back to email. Just let them know. I'm sure they would do the same for you. So that is a best practice there. If you are experiencing those connection issues, just let the person know and you can either resolve them, like you said, Brian, by turning off your camera. If it if it's an experience where you are just losing your Internet, you can pick up the phone. So you just find that alternative option there. Yeah. And I think this this also touches on the notion of like being familiar with your technology. So um, if you're new to Zoom, um, 
it's probably best for you to, to play with it a little bit before you're going to go have these conversations. If the person you're speaking with is new to Zoom, it's good for you to have a little patience with them and and try to help yes. them without babying them. Um, you know, you can ask if they're familiar with the pro- with the platform even before you get on the call. And that can help because you want to you want to make it just as though if you were having difficulties, you'd want them to be hospitable to you. And I think we should offer the same courtesy in return. Um, but it also is a matter of patience if there's a lot of delay or all of a sudden the calls dropped or they disappear. This isn't the end of the world. Uh, we'll, we'll try them again or you can reach out with a quick email and just say, are, are we doing OK? Would you rather have a call or you can set up a backup plan in advance? If you know that you have a faulty connection, my phone number is such and such. If you can't get a hold of me or if I drop out, please feel free to call. I you know, will apologize in advance for any um any annoyance of that or any, you know, difficulty that may come up. It's easy to sort of account for these things because again, this is meant to be fairly laid back. Um, but good preparation makes for a good conversation. That I agree with that hundred percent. It's, it's a great to have a, bla- a backup plan. And by sending your number in advance, you've covered it. Yeah. And, and the other thing with the kind of spotty connections, I mean, we've been on enough meetings by now, Julia and I like, if you feel that the other person you're speaking with is having a little bit of a lag, just try to let them come back um, rather than just be like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Like try to just like let it kind of settle let the dust settle mm-hmm. on that. Um, that way it just kind of minimizes the any anxiety that um, the, the back and forth can cause. I just feel like that can be helpful. We'll get there. We'll get there together and it's going to be mm-hmm. fun. Uh, that's kind of the vibe that I feel like it's best for people to go in with. That's always been helpful. Now, we want to try to think, we make sure, we want to make sure that you're thinking thoroughly about where you're going to, you know, how you're going to have these conversations. And again, mercifully, this is kind of similar to, to quote unquote, regular networking. But we want to make sure that, again, the opportunity here is to think about this universally shared experience. And therefore, what are the, who are the individuals you should be reaching out to? I don't I don't think that this universally shared experience of a pandemic necessarily impacts the types of people that you'd be reaching out to. It may allow for you, however, to reach out to a wider swath of individuals or maybe people at particular high levels that may have been you know, a little busier under different circumstances that allow for themselves to be more available. Um, you know, obviously. We have our peer review, our sort of a peer networking list, excuse me, but, uh, you know, Universal to any institution, their alumni list, employer directories, contacts, LinkedIn, these things are, uh, remain available and continue to be a great way to at least uh, initially engage with individuals. Yes, they are. And I would say, you know, as you continue your quest for inter- informational interviews, be sure to add the people you speak with on LinkedIn uh, if, if, if you have a LinkedIn platform because they may be able to connect you with someone else in their organization or someone else in their field, maybe someone they worked with previously or somebody they met at a conference who they know is particularly excited about mentorship. So make sure that when you do f- speak with somebody, whether again on the phone or a video platform, that you add them in a professional capacity on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And that way you can continue to use the platform to find other connections. So I really recommend doing that. Yep. Now, another thing that I have heard come up as folks sort of become aware that they have more time to do this 
is their worry is that, well, what do I do with all these people now? So I had a conversation in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, XYZ industry is just locked up. Not a lot of hiring right now, but I had some good conversations, learned a bit more. What do I do with that? How much, uh, let's say if this is like a metaphorical plant, how much watering do I need to retain this engagement? Now, again, this looks very similar to what we would see in traditional circumstances in that it's a light touch. Um, you'd still send those crucial thank you notes after the initial engagement. Correct. But the follow-up is either the follow-up would be more faster or more driven if there was a need for follow-up. There was an additional question or I say to Julia, reach out to my friend so-and-so, let me know if you hear back from them, you should follow up with me to confirm and, 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 you know, close the loop. Yeah. I like to talk about those as the thank you email with a gentle reminder. Yes. There you we can are. say, thank you so much for that conversation. I learned a lot about A, B, and C. I say A, B, and C because you're going to take notes, right? During mm -hmm. this conversation. And so you can show that you retained some of what this person has shared with you. So you say the thank you, and then you could say something along the lines of, you mentioned uh, a colleague of yours who might be willing to speak with me. I'd love to be connected. Thank you so much. Or perhaps they mentioned uh, a specific listserv, or perhaps they mentioned a conference website or another website in that field that they've found particularly helpful. It's hard to give links over the phone, as I'm sure we know. So in your thank you email, you could say, you mentioned this link. I'd love to be sent that. And, and then you have those action items like Brian's talking about. What is this gentle touch that you can kind of continue a conversation or follow up on some action items if, if, if necessary? Right. And regarding that information that you mentioned, like the ability to exchange that information, again, familiarity with the platform allows for more efficiencies that can be taken uh, there. So, for example, like Zoom it's really easy to share a file via Zoom and more, much more immediate than if you said, oh, well, you want to see my resume? Like, let me email it to you. And then you're just both kind of awkwardly waiting for this document to travel through space and time, uh, whereas within Zoom, it'll be much more immediate. So that allows for you to share that information more. But it's absolutely best to reinforce the acceptance of that information. Say, I will look forward to following up with you on how this resource, that resource and the other thing uh, carry through. Um, and can also be a nice way to um, verify or, or sort of guarantee a follow-up conversation, which I do think is to most right. people's benefit. You want to carry out conversation on. You want it to, to move forward in some capacity. You do. Yeah, I think, you know, over the overarching theme to networking during COVID-19 is that there are a lot of similarities here. We would be suggesting sending that thank you note if you were meeting someone in person for coffee. So it, it rings true for the phone call, for the Zoom call, for the Skype call. So remember those general principles and those new, you know, those other nuances we talked about earlier in terms of asking about um, the organization's adaptation to and response to COVID-19 or, um, you know, some of those video conferencing tips that we talked about but the overarching theme in terms of the purpose, why are you talking to them, preparing for the conversation, sending thank yous, those are the really key elements that do stay the same. Absolutely. And the, and the differentiations are those that you'll also see when it comes time to interview for a position in a virtual context. So, um, you know, this insight will remain uh, valuable 
and is it's a great way to sort of introduce yourself to those concepts in once again a very laid back manner that allow for you know a little bit more wiggle room than they would be in a in a job interview, uh, but also help you acclimate to uh, this this um, you know adapted uh, reality that we are uh, you know in, in in this moment. And so how to sort of embrace those challenges and carry forward rather than feel like we must put everything on pause. All right. Well, uh, for follow-up information on these topics and more related to the job search and your own professionalization pursuits, we recommend that you go to ocs.yale.edu, which has an array of information about everything from resume writing to networking concepts and tips uh, to interview preparation. And you can also, uh, through that website and through uh, where you get your podcasts. You can also find other episodes of this podcast where we go into more detail on those topics amongst various other things and also have some interviews with some great people as well uh, for a little bit of professional background and insight. So with that, uh, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope to see you in the next episode of Take This Job and Love It. Mm-hmm.